Hello and welcome back to Anointed Fire. My name is Tiffany Buckner and I'm going to entitle this message. He told me he was going through a divorce. I want to talk about the generational curse of adultery. And I want to help you to understand whether or not the relationship you are entertaining is an adulterous one and what you should be doing. Because I know a lot of times, you know, we can find ourselves in these mixes with people and, you know, we're confused. We know what we feel. We know what we're experiencing. We know what we believe we heard. And so it can be relatively hard um, to distance some, to distance ourselves from people um once we have quote unquote fallen in love with them and i'm gonna try to deal with that if i have time the whole concept of falling in love if you follow me for a while you probably already know what i'm gonna say so let's go ahead and jump into this so before we get into it let me say this i'm going to start off talking about my grandparents story i want to show you how the spirit of adultery moved through my family all the way up till it hit me and i'm going to show you how it almost destroyed my life it tried uh, numerous times to take my life or what have you but I'm gonna start with my grandparents story move into my parents story and then I will share my story with you okay so my grandmother starting with her and this is my maternal side of the family my grandmother was an incredibly beautiful woman I'm gonna say that she was an incredibly beautiful woman um just from her pictures and stuff like that now obviously I met her um you know, as an older woman or what have you. But, you know, I saw pictures of her when she was a young lady and she was a looker. Um, but the issue with my grandmother was that my grandmother was not a moral woman. You know, um, she didn't have an education. She had been raised by a single mother. We don't know who her father was. There was a lot of speculation. I don't think she knew who her father was. She probably heard a lot of speculation. So there was a lot of speculation surrounding who her father was. And I have a sneaking suspicion that her father was a married man based on the fact that that spirit has run rampantly through my family. I have a sneaking suspicion that her father was a married man. Um, and that's that. So my grandmother, when she became a young lady, when she was a teenager, she reportedly ran away from home a lot. You know, she get in relationships with these guys. She was meeting dudes and running away from home. So she was a problem child. And, you know, this is back in the day. Stuff like that didn't happen that much back in the day. But she gave her mother a hard time. Again, her mother was a single mother. And one of the neighbors called Medea. We called her Medea. Medea lived all the way up until I was in my 20s, I think. But I remember when I was... um. 13 and 14 years old, my parents used to make me go over to Medea's house and stay over there like a weekend. I think one time I had to stay over there like a week or what have you to help out with Medea. Typically, I had another cousin that would have to stay there as well. And me and her were close in age or what have you. So I had my incentive for being over there, which was hanging out with my cousin. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't fun to be at Medea's house because one, Medea was super mean. She was very strict. And she was always whining and complaining. I won't say whining, but she was definitely always complaining uh, about people or what have you. She was a mean woman. So Medea had been a neighbor to my grandmother and my grandmother's mother. She had watched that, you know, saw that my grandmother was giving her mother a hard time. So she said, hey, listen, let me take this girl in. You know, you need help with these girls or what have you. And she ended up raising my grandmother. She ended up raising my grandmother. I don't think that slowed grandma down a lot. I think that, you know, grandma just ended up getting beat down quite a bit because Medea didn't play that. But I think that, you know, whenever you're dealing with an issue 
a lot of times it's spiritual. My grandmother obviously was dealing with the spirit of rejection. And so my grandmother eventually met my grandfather and the rest is history. Now let's move over to my granddad. I believe that my grandmother took my granddad from his wife. My granddad had been married um, before. Now, there are no reports in my family. Nobody, I've never heard anybody say that granddad was, you know, cheating with my grandma and grandma was a side chick and what have you. And he left his wife. What I do know is that he had been married at some point and he had two children with the woman he was married to. It was completely and utterly unheard of for a man to abandon his family at that time. I mean, you had men that cheated. You had a lot of things that happened, but it was unheard of to have a man to abandon his family. But just looking at the history of my grandmother, my speculation is that my grandmother um, came in contact with my granddad. My granddad sees this young lady. She was 19 years younger than him. My grandmother was relatively naive. She didn't know how to read or write or what have you. She was just pretty. You know, not to say she wasn't smart, but she was beautiful. And so my speculation is that my granddaddy came in contact with this young, beautiful woman. And, you know, he was smitten. He was smitten or what have you and probably started cheating on his wife and giving her a hard time. And um, he ended up leaving his wife or what have you. So he marries my grandmother and the two of them were married many, many years Um I don't believe my grandmother married my granddad for love, even though my granddad was a handsome man. He was definitely a handsome man. So I'm pretty sure she was physically attracted to him, but I don't think it was love. I think grandma was just looking for love. She was looking for that father figure, which is why she married somebody who was 19 years her senior. Uh, she was looking for that father figure. She was looking for the love that she never had before. Um, or what have you. So she marries my granddad and that's that. So now we find the spirit of adultery in my family, whereas again, I believe that it came in through her mother and it probably went further than that. But I believe that her father was a married man and my grandma took my granddad, a married man away from his wife. So adultery moved in on her side of the family and it also was on my granddad's side of the family. I don't know his history um, or what have you. I found on Ancestry.com. You know, his parents, I found out my granddad's dad name was Morris or what have you. And so I don't know the full history. Um, I know when I traced Morris back, he had another, I forgot his parents name, but then the parent before that, the great, great grandparent had been bought over from Africa as a slave from Nigeria as a slave. And so that's that. So long story short, adultery was in my family. Okay. Moving over to my mom. No, well, we still on my grandma and my grandfather. My grandmother ends up, they st she stays married to my granddad for many, many years. They have seven children or what have you. My granddad took really good care of my grandmother. I don't say that he was a good husband. Honestly, I think they were both lousy in their own ways. You know, they both had lousy ways. Um, I think they got comfortable with each other. But my granddad was the type of person, he was a an alpha male. So he was from Mississippi, alpha male. He worked at this chemical company. And at the same time, my granddad was a builder. So my granddad built his house from the ground up. He built a really nice house in Mississippi, a really big house um, for my grandmother and, you know, their children. Um, and not only that, my granddad typically had people working for him. No, he wasn't wealthy, but he was stable. Uh, and the way I know that is because my ex-husband, when I met his dad, and his dad learned my name and learned who my mother was. He was like, oh my gosh, 
I could have been your dad because he it turns out that he used to work for my granddad. Um, he had moved into my granddad's house, my grandparents' house, and was doing a bunch of handiwork and stuff like that. And he had a major crush on my mother. But my granddad was known to carry this pistol around, this shotgun. And so a lot of men were afraid to come near my granddad's daughters. Um, so they approached my granddad the right way. They would ask for only one guy didn't approach my granddad, but they would ask, hey, can I date your daughter or what have you? But because he was working for my granddad, he was afraid to approach my granddad about my mom. Thankfully so. <laughs> uh, but anyhow. When my granddad got older, again, he's 19 years, my grandmother's uh, senior, my granddad started suffering through the early stages of Alzheimer's. And when he started going through that, my grandmother started cheating on him with his friend. And just to kind of um, backtrack that a little bit, I believe, and I, had, I came to this conclusion today, a lot of it speculation, but um, I came to this conclusion today. The friend, I believe the house the friend was living in belonged to my granddad. I believe it was his property because it was in his backyard. Remember, I told you granddad built his house from the ground up and granddad had been adding on to the house. The house that my grandparent that he was living in with my grandmother, um, he added two rooms onto the house. And if I'm remembering right, they were about to add another room onto the house. Uh, but this house here was behind. So it was like an outhouse. It was a smaller house. It was behind the house. The only reason I think that it could have potentially belonged to the man that uh, that was living in it. I still don't think so. But because of the way that it was turned. So it wasn't turned like face for it. Um, you know, it was turned. 90 at a 90 degree angle. And in front of the house, there was this dirt road. And I know I'm thinking I've seen cars go down that road before. But if they it would have been a tight space for a car. Uh, to go down that road. It was not a paved road. Um, It was paved, but it didn't have concrete. So we used to walk. You see people walking down there every now and again, but it looked like a little alley. It was just small. So that house had that the front door was facing that road, even though it was behind my granddad's house, if that makes sense. So I do believe um, when I think about it, that it belonged to my grandfather. Well, the man that lived in that house is the man that my grandma would eventually leave my granddad for. His name was Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones had been married to a woman and the woman he was married to, they've been married to, you know, like a long, long, long time. But the woman was close friends with my grandmother, Mr. Jones and my granddad were friends and my grandmother and Mr. Mrs. Jones were friends. But my the but Mrs. Jones eventually died. She passed away. They were older. What have you? She passed away. And my grandmother started going over there to help out. Like she would go clean up because Mr. Jones went into a depression. She would go over there, clean up. She cook and take food over there. What have you? And I don't think my granddad thought anything about it. And at the same time, my granddad was going through his own issue at the time. He was starting to suffer through the early stages of Alzheimer's disease. Um, and so my grandmother would leave and she would come up missing. And I think it probably started off with her staying the night and missing a day at a time. And she would just say, you know, I was helping Mr. Jones out or what have you. And I don't know what happened to, with that because I was like four or five years old, maybe six. But I still remember uh, that that space and time. And then at the same time, my mom and I, we discussed that all the way up to her death. But at one particular time, my grandmother came up missing for three weeks. My granddad had, you know, told the family and people had gone over there and asked Mr. Jones, hey, 
uh, about my grandmother. He said that she wasn't there. And I don't know what happened with that. I don't know why it was. It took a, a space of three weeks before they called the police. They probably called the police before the end, but it took about a space of three weeks. And then they ended up calling the cops. And the day that the cops went over there, my mom told me this story. And this is a story that I could tell traumatized her. Mom, you know, I was a kid. My mom was married. She was grown, but it didn't make it any less painful. They went over to the house to visit my. I mean, they called the cops and sent them to Mr. Jones house because, you know, Mr. Jones had stopped coming around. So they knew my grandma was over there. And that was the last place she had said she was going. So they called the cops. And I think my mom called the cops. Cops go over there and Mr. Jones comes to the door. My mom, I think she went there first. Mr. Jones cursed out. I remember her. I remember a part of the story where she said Mr. Jones got aggressive with her, wanted to fight her. But she ends up calling the cops. Cops go over there and they go in and they see my grandmother. And my grandmother allegedly tells the cops, hey, listen, um, I'm here cause I want to be, I'm leaving my husband. I don't want to be with him anymore. And I don't want my children anymore. I don't want them visiting me. Tell them to leave me alone. So one of the cops comes out and tells my mom what my grandmother said. My grandmother said, my mom said, she was like, no, there's no way my mom wouldn't say anything like that. There's no way my mom said that. So somehow my mom manages to get into the house while the police are there. And she listens to her mother saying it. And she's like, what? And my grandma looked at her and she said, my mom, grandma could barely keep eye contact with her. She was like, I don't want to see y'all no more. I don't want to have anything to do with y'all no more. And my mom said it was almost like she was under a spell. You know, she just said she didn't want to be with them anymore or what have you. Or she didn't want to have anything else to do with them. So officially my grandmother left my grandfather. Um, police, my granddaddy called the police and the police had to explain to him, them, him that they couldn't make him, her come home. They couldn't make her because that was her choice or what have you. My grandmother never divorced my granddad. Um, we had, I remember my family had to rally together to take care of my granddad at this time because, you know, he was having, they had empty nests. Everybody had pretty much moved out of the house. At the same time, my granddad, again, was suffering through the early stages of Alzheimer's and, Mr. Jones, like I said, I believe that was his prop. My granddad's property right after that decided to move out and move out with my grandmother. And he took her 45 min minutes away to a city called Rosedale, Mississippi. In Rosedale, Mississippi, he purchased a a pig farm. He, pur he purchased a pig farm, this, this really raggedy house, and it was surrounded by pigs or what have you. So he took away everything that my grandma had been accustomed to. Uh, my grandmother with my granddad. Now, I'm not trying to paint her as the villain and him as the good guy. Because, again, I believe he left his wife for her. One and two, one of my aunties, she didn't have evidence. But she said, and this is an older, aunt, very integral, godly woman, very a sweetheart. So she said she had been married to his twin brother. She said she believed my granddad had been abusive toward my grandmother at some point because he had told her her husband to beat her because she had gone to the store and she had been gone a long time. And, you know, my granddad had came to visit and he was like, because she was gone a long time, he speculated that she was cheating. He told her husband that she, he needed to be her. And that was her, you know, her story or what have you. So that's the reason why she drew the conclusion that my granddad was likely abusive toward my grandmother. So my grandma, you know, she moves out to Rosedale with this man. Um, but before then, again, um, he had given her pretty much a decent life as far as material things because she had a nice house. Um, she had shift rolls full of clothes. I remember that, you know, she had plenty of wigs and he kept her hair done. You know, grandma, 
Granddad bought her a lot of jewelry. Granddad kept her up. Mr. Jones, on the other hand, was the opposite. Mr. Jones did not like my grandmother dressing up. He did not like her wearing makeup. He didn't like her wearing uh, wigs. He did not like her hair done. He didn't like her putting on dresses. He was very controlling, very insecure. So he demanded that she wear nothing but T-shirts and black men's slacks. He, he had those black men's slacks. That's the only thing she wore. So we would go to visit her like every two to three months um, after her. And, you know, she she reconciled with her children, some of them, because she had some children that just didn't have anything to do with her because of how she had done my granddad. But a couple of them, you know, they decided, you know, to put the past behind them and to, you know, try to have a relationship with her. What have you? My mom was one of those people who decided to, you know, just kind of put it behind her so she could have a relationship with her mother. And we would go down there to visit them. And I remember it's thank the high heaven because the house was surrounded by pigs. You know, they well, they had it, it. I won't say surrounded. They had a part that was kind of fenced in with the pigs. I just remember seeing all those pigs and I remember that smell. And I remember the pigs would be in the mud slopping and all that other stuff. And I remember every time we went over there, my grandma was always cooking pork chops or bacon. And it didn't dawn on me until one day after I had eaten that. That didn't come from the store. <laughs> that didn't come from the store and I became ill. I was like, oh. But whenever we went to visit her, my grandmother, and you know, she was open with my mom about it, whatever, you know, Mr. Jones would leave the room. He, even though he would try to make sure that, you know, he was in the room. He wa- he always wanted to hear the conversation. But every once in a while, you know, maybe he would walk off with my dad or somebody, you know, to kind of take them in the backyard and he'll leave my grandma and, you know, end up with us. And my grandmother had told my mom, because every time we went to visit her, she had on the same outfit, which was a white shirt with no bra on and these black church pants or these, these black slacks. And it was pulled up over her stomach. You know, it was almost like Urkel like, and she would have these plaits in her head and she hadn't washed her hair in months. Um, she couldn't do much of anything because he was so insecure. So my mom, I remember every time we went there, the one thing, the, the bonding tool that they had uh, whenever we went there was either my mom or with my aunt. They were always having to scratch my grandmother's head. That was the only time he would allow her hair to be dealt with in any way. They would scratch her head and wash her hair because he was really insecure. Like if she put on makeup, if she tried to do anything, he would go berserk. He felt like she was trying to go out there and cheat on him. And, you know, that's one of the things, you know, he was obviously a broken man. Uh, but that's one of the things when you're dealing with that, you know, when you're dealing with adultery, a lot of people don't realize is that if you go and get with somebody, you know, the wrong way, they're not going to trust you. They're not going to trust you. They're going to be afraid. And the, the closer you get to their heart, the more afraid they're going to be. You know, and so it's going to be a very hard relationship. So long story short, that was the only time her hair was done and not even done because what my mom or my aunt would have to do is they would have to scratch out her head. And I just remember it would be loads and loads of dandruff. You can tell she had been scratching. You can tell. And my grandmother was um, fair skinned, but you can tell she had been scratching, you know, like she hadn't had a chance to really scratch her head, but you could tell she'd been itching. You know, uh, what have you, she would, it would just be loads and loads of dandruff and then they would have to wash her hair and plant it back up or what have you. And it was almost like a, a child's hairdo, like a slavery hairdo that she had to wear on her head so that he wouldn't feel some type of way. Okay. Mr. Jones ends up dying. Uh, my grandmother, she had this curse. She didn't know how to be without men. You know, with, after he died, she had another boyfriend within two weeks and she found out that boyfriend cheated on her and then she kicked him to the curbs and two weeks 
curb. Two weeks later, she had another man and she had that man all the way up to her death. Okay. So that's the spirit of adultery that moved in my family on my mother's side. Um, it moved from, I believe it came from her mother and probably went past her mother, but that's where I can, I can say, I believe I can trace it. Um, starting with her mother and then it moved into her. And I believe she took my granddad from his wife and I know she committed adultery against her husband. She left her husband for another man or what have you. And I'm pretty sure my granddad cheated on her uh, or what have you. And like I said, I believe he left his wife. So on my mom's side of the family, we see the spirit of adultery moving. It is a spirit and it will not, never stop moving until somebody stops it. Somebody has to address that spirit. It's a very tricky spirit. Um, or what have you. So moving into my mom's story. My mom and my mom met my dad when she was 13. My dad was 18. I mean, we can frown upon that now, but that was not so frowned upon back then. And whenever uh, my mom and dad met, she friend zoned him. She had another dude in the friend zone as well that um, liked her. You know, so my mom had two men in the friend zone that were trying to get with her that she had become friends with. One was a, she said, the Starks quarterback uh, at her high school. You know, all the girls wanted him. He was a handsome guy, what have you. And my mom friend zoned him because she felt like, you know, he's too handsome and he's 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 not going to accomplish anything in life besides having multiple women. She just felt like he wouldn't be trustworthy or what have you. And then there here comes my dad. My dad is significantly older, but you know, as according to her, he because of the way he looked, my dad was not considered handsome. Um, he he was considered unattractive. Because back in that day, you know, dark skin, my dad's dark skin. We had my mom was considered, you know, beautiful, just incredibly beautiful. She had this long hair, this pretty brown skin or what have you. My dad comes along. She sees my dad and my dad is, is super intelligent, very intelligent, straight A student. Um, if he was in school, I'm pretty sure he was when she met him. But he's a straight A student and he, you know, his dad is a pastor. Now, mind you, his dad didn't raise him. And I, I I had to bring that to my mom's attention. Like you talking like his dad raised him or like he had been a pastor his whole life. My dad's mom passed away when my dad was four years old. I think she was married to my granddad. I'm not sure. My granddad and her had already broken up by then, I think. But he elected not to raise his children. So my granddad was out there in those streets. <laughs> you know, he was a pop, he was a rolling stone and he was out there drinking and stuff. They said he was an alcoholic on uh, my dad's side of the family. So my Great grandma and great grandfather, who were extremely anointed, uh, ends up raising my dad and his siblings. So he was raised by his grandparents or what have you. My granddad, my dad's dad, eventually, after my dad became an adult, you know, gave his life over to the Lord and he became a pastor after my dad, you know, got up in age or what have you. And so I don't know why my mom was looking at that, you know, saying, okay. But my mom says she married my dad because she believed that. One of two was going to happen. Either he was going to become the first black president of the United States because he was so intelligent or he would be a pastor because his dad was a pastor. But that tells me my mom thought that she was going to be a kept lady. She thought she was going to be a first lady, you know, and a traditional first lady role was just, you know, kind of just to stand there and stand beside your husband and to be meek and to be loving or what have you. And I can honestly tell you, my mom would have been perfect for that that particular role. She would have been really perfect for that role. But none of that ends up happening. You know, she ends up um, coming to this place. And like I said, she had this very strict father. So she knew not to present these men to her dad. You know, she had this very strict father and she knew that whoever she presented to her dad was going to be a reflection of her maturity 
And if she presented the wrong man, it can set her back. So she decides, hey, let me present my dad. My dad was not all, not necessarily the ideal candidate because my granddad was an alpha male. My dad was not. My granddad was a workaholic, build with his hands, all of that type stuff, believe in being the head of his house type dude. My dad was the opposite of that. Um, but she presents my dad to him and he, you know, um, my granddad accepts him because my dad's smart and, you know, he seemed to have a career, have, you know, his head on the right shoulder, what have you. And so they started dating. I don't know what age they were when they started dating, but my mom said she had sex with my dad for the first time when she was 18 years old. And that's when she got pregnant with my brother, not long after that. And then they decided to get married after my brother was born. I think they got married after he was born. I think it was, I don't think she was pregnant. I think it was after he was born that they decided to go ahead and get married. So my mom had been a virgin. My dad, according to her, was the first man she'd ever had sex with. And she had remained faithful to him or what have you. But guess what? The spirit of adultery was in her blood. It was in there. It was just waiting to be activated. My dad, on the other hand, had a whole lot of stuff in him. And even though he had been raised in church, he had been raised, you know, he had a lot of stuff in him that was dying to come out. Um, His dad was out there in those streets, didn't want to raise him and his mother had passed away. So my dad, you know. He tried. He was a do-gooder for a while. He said he went to private school, all of that stuff, because my grandmother was well, my grandparents were well to do. Um, but nevertheless, my granddad, he got a taste of the world and he that was it. While him and my mom were together, I think her demons activated his demons and his demon, act, his demons activated her demons. One, she was not physically attracted to my father. And honestly, a lot of women don't realize this because a lot of marriages were like that back in the day. But if you're not physically attracted to a man, you're not going to want him to touch you that much, you know, and the only way you're going to want him to touch you is if he's out there doing it's almost like he has to compensate. You has to prove to you, you know, that, hey, he's doing his role or what have you. My dad turned out to be relatively lazy. My dad worked at Steinmark for 14 years um, and seven of those years, I think, were before I was born. When I was seven years old, if I'm thinking correctly, my dad, um, the Steinmark closed down after that. that my dad just didn't want to work. So my mom ends up working two jobs. Again, her demons activated his and his activated hers. Um, I remember when I was eight years old, I remember my dad and definitely I had to be about seven when um, he stopped working because um, he stopped working there because I remember that's when the fighting started. We were living on a street called Syphilis Street. And I remember my dad, my mom and dad arguing about money. And my mom was like, we got to pay these bills. And she was stressed out trying to figure out how to pay the rent. And all that. And my dad was always like, yeah, I'm looking for a job. And he was doing a lot. But honestly, she could tell that he wasn't putting forth that much effort. He didn't want to work. Um, I guess he figured my mom needed to take care of him or what have you, even though my mom had been working. My dad goes out there and he's having all these affairs. And so my mom starts hearing all this. I actually remembered. And I'm just thinking about this one particular story. I was eight years old. And the way I know I was eight was because we lived on Sifalu when I was eight. We moved around every year so every year we moved into a different house so when i was eight years old we lived on syphilu lived over there partly when i was nine and then we moved but i remember my mom was braiding my hair one time and my dad came through the door and i remember he had a jerry curl she had been worried about him he hadn't came home she didn't know where he was there were no cell phones out at the time and i think he was supposed to be at work but after he got off work he didn't come home 
And um, he came through the door. I'll never forget this. I was eight years old. And I just remember my mom was I'm sitting on the floor. She's sitting on the couch behind me. And I remember her jumping over my head because he opened the door and he, he had a jerry curl, you know, and, you know, he hadn't had that before he left for work, but he had a jerry curl. He came, he closed the door and he smiled real big like, ta-da! and my mom jumped across me and started beating him. And I remember my dad screaming, Alice, that was the one thing he did all the time. Every time they would fight, uh, she, he would be screaming, Alice, 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 which was my mom's name. And I didn't understand why my mom was being, phys- you know, physically assaulting my dad again, because that was something that became commonplace at that stage. I later learned, my mom told me later on what had happened was, you know, um, another female had called my mom that day and told my, asked my mom, are you and, you know, him still together? And my mom's like, yeah, what are you talking about? And the lady said, okay, well, he just left my house. He told me that um, you and him were going through a divorce and this was the lady that did his hair. The, the lady had done uh, the jerry curl on him or what have you. So anyhow, sorry, I got a text. Anyhow, he um, has all these affairs on my mom. Again, the spirit of adultery is in my mom, but it hadn't been activated yet. We moved when I was 10 years old. We were living on this street. And this is where a lot of crazy stuff happened on this particular street. This one particular time, my mom goes to the store. She's waiting on my dad to come home. He doesn't come home on time. And again, she's working, but this happens to be an off day of her. She needs to go to the grocery store, buy some groceries. They have one car and she walks to the store after waiting on my dad for so long. and He doesn't come home. She goes to the store and while she's in the store, uh, she ends up buying too much stuff, you know, buying a lot of groceries and stuff. And she realized she has to walk home with this stuff. Now, mind you, me and my siblings are at home. She realizes she got to walk home with all of this stuff. And now that I think about it, I don't know why she didn't take us to the store with her. Because I was 10, my brother was 12. He could have helped her with those groceries. So that's actually making me raise an eyebrow. Like, you know, maybe mom was having an affair before then. Because mom's story was when um my dad came in the house. I remember when they came in the house, my mom was in front of him. And my dad was behind her screaming and crying. He was like, how could you? How could you? And she said it was just a kiss. It was just a kiss. So as it turned out, catch this, my dad caught my mom sitting in the fan in a van with his best friend well not best friend but one of his friends um and she was kissing the friend she was kissing a friend remember that's what her dad her mom did um so my dad was out there and you know he was crying and going off and they were walking in the house and this is the first time i saw my mom looking humble she was like it's just a kiss it was just a kiss it was just a kiss i was i can say i was disappointed in my mom but I think my greatest disappointment, because I knew my dad had been doing that stuff as well. So I just kind of felt like they both were, both were wrong, you know. But I think the greatest disappointment I had in my mom was the fact that she had done that to her friend. Because the man that my mom had kissed, um, she was friends with his wife. They were cool. They met through. He was cool with my dad. And she they weren't. I won't call them friends, nor were they close friends. But they were friends. They were cool. Uh, we had been over to their house a few times. They had a daughter my age. We, I played with the daughter. All of that stuff. So, it, you know, I was really disappointed that my mom would do that to her friend. Now, doing that to my dad, I can honestly say at the age of 10 years old, I don't think I cared whether what they did to each other because I just didn't feel like they should be together. They were just too toxic together. I was tired, you know, at this stage, hiding knives and stuff like that, trying to keep my mom from killing my dad. Me and my brother always used to hide knives. So that's that. The spirit of adultery activates in my mom. Now, 
according to my mom, you know, she got tired of my dad cheating after all these years. Um, women calling, talking about they're pregnant by my dad, the whole nine. She got tired of my dad cheating. So she said this particular day she walked to the store and the man had offered her. She came out. She had all these groceries and didn't know how she was going to get home with all those groceries. And the man offered her a ride home. And she said, yes. And, you know, she when she walked out to the parking lot, he happened to pull up on her. And he was like a savior in that moment. And he was like, you know, let, let me take you home. And he, she asked him how much gas, you know, after they pulled in front of the driveway, um, would he need? You know, she's like, I can give you gas money. How much money? He was like, I don't want anything. He said, just give me a kiss. And she said it was a peck. It was a small kiss. But again, I'm having a revelatory moment. My brother was 12 years old at the time. He was home. I was home. My sister was home. My, I was 10 years old. My sister was four. Um, my mom could have asked my brother to come to the store with her. She could have asked me and she definitely could have carried my sister to the store. So I don't understand why she didn't do that. So that, that says that rings to me that she probably was already having that affair with that guy. And she was just trying to get out there uh, with him and the cover, the store was just going to be a cover. So spirit of adultery activated in my mom is already in my dad. Oh, what have you? Then comes my turn. I'm going to try to keep this in one episode. Then comes my turn. I've never been a fan of adultery. I ended up when I was in the world. Now, as a kid, I ended up getting raped, molested. I had a whole lot of stuff happen to me. So what the enemy was doing was lowering me, lowering my value toward myself, right? He was trying to take away and he took away the, the, the me feeling protected. So I never felt protected by my family because when my parents found out when I was 10 years old that I had been raped and I told them, um, that this little boy had been coming over to the house assaulting me, or what have you, when I told them, I ended up getting a whooping because I didn't say anything faster or what have you. And I was blamed for the boy coming into the house or what have you, which was crazy within itself. But that was just where they were at the time. I didn't feel connected to my parents. I didn't feel like I could turn to them. I didn't feel like I can go to them and tell them much of anything. So I became relatively independent at a young age. And what was I in this story? What was I talking about? So how that spirit um, finds his way into me. I remember I became really seductive around the age after the age of 17, 16, all that. I, you know, call myself having a boyfriend or what have you. 17, I got my heart broken. And that was the first time it ever happened. I didn't like the way it felt. I didn't want to feel that mess again. So I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to have fun with these dudes. Because I was listening to the older people like, no guy's going to commit to you at this age. Guys are young at this age. You're just playing. And so I didn't mind having a boyfriend, but I tried to keep it real with myself to protect my heart. I go out here and the first time I, I, I messed with somebody that was in a relationship, he wasn't married, but he might as well have been. He was in a relationship with a woman. And they had a child together. And I did not plan to have anything with this guy. So my brother at this time was a troubled teen and or a troubled young man. Yeah, yeah, he had been. Okay, he's two years older than me, but he, he couldn't have been a teen. But he was a troubled young man. And he had got assigned. I don't know if this guy had been assigned to him, or had volunteered to be like a big brother to him. And so this guy was about five years older than my brother, seven years older than me. And he had been assigned, you know, or coming around or what have you. So he worked at the hospital. The guy would come over to the house, you know, with my brother, sit and talk with him or what have you. And we'll call this guy Jacob. 
I remember the first time I saw Jacob, I was walking out of the back room and we lo- we locked eyes. He looked at me and my brother was like, hey, that's my sister, Tiffany. And he was like, Tiffany, this is Jacob. And I said, hey. But I remember he could barely speak to me because he went like in this trance. Now, mind you, at that time, I was full of witchcraft. And when I say full of witchcraft, I didn't play with the arts uh, witchcraft. I'm talking about seduction and all that other stuff. I was full of that stuff. And not that's not to justify because what was in me, obviously something in him was saying, hey, this this girl here. But he locked eyes with me. And I remember realizing at that moment he could barely speak to me. He was just staring at me like he was in some type of awe. And I remember in that moment, I knew, okay, this dude here is mesmerized. And you couldn't do that to a young seductress because from that point on, you became fun for me. You know, heavy. So anytime Jacob would come over to the home, and I'm going to likely have to do this in two parts. Anytime Jacob would come over to our house, for the most part, I would stay in my room because I lived in my room. My room was my own small apartment to me. But anytime Jacob would come over to our house, I would... I won't say every time, but sometimes I would come out the back room if I knew he was coming and I had no interest in him. I didn't even like men that were trying to cheat on their girls. I mean, I would I would talk about you real hard if you was that type of guy. But I like the attention. I like the attention of what have you. So anytime um, I heard he was coming over, you know, I didn't I don't think I put on makeup or anything like that. I just typically would put on some little outfit and I wore that around the house anyhow, but I have on something skimpy or what have you. So whenever he would come over, I would walk through there, go into the kitchen again. And every time he would see me, he would go into this daze. One particular time, Jacob shows up at the house looking for my brother. Now, I don't think he was looking for my brother. I think he was looking to be along with me, but he shows up at the house and he's like, Hey, um, looking for your brother or what have you. And I'm like, he's not home. He was like, we're supposed to meet up. And I was like, he'd probably be home soon. You can come in. So um, I let him in. I leave him in the living room because again, my bedroom was my apartment. I leave him in the living room and I was a bad, I was a horrible big sister to my sister because she saw the seduction or what have you. Cause I was just like, I'm gonna go in here and mess with his head. <laughs> I'm gonna go in here and mess with his head or what have you. So I don't remember if this was that time, but I remember one particular time he was sitting in the living room waiting for my brother and we had candles lit that I'm telling you, it was straight up witchcraft, had candles lit all throughout the room. My mom was at work. Uh, By this time, my mom and dad were divorced, but we had candles lit. I had on my little skimpy outfit or what have you. And I walked up in there and just started dancing in front of the dude. I mean, I walked up and I kept walking by and he said something to me. I don't know how it was. And he probably, I don't know, but I used to love to dance at that time. So I started dancing and obviously I danced seductively or what have you. So I'm just saying that I was a, I was a mess of a female. I started doing that to mess with this man's head because I had no intention of having an affair with him. None whatsoever. Because he had a girlfriend or what have you. But one particular time, the way that he pulled down my defenses was I was used to being sexualized by men. And when I say sexualized, I'm talking about men fantasizing or trying to get with me. You know, and I mean, some guys trying to get in a relationship. But, you know, if I'm dressing like that, I was used to a guy, you know, looking at me in the wrong way or what have you. Well, what he did was he was like, hey, sit down. Now, I'm not saying that. And let me just say this. I'm not saying that I was one of those women that was out there sleeping with this dude and that dude because I wasn't I was you know I had my my own version of a moral compass I didn't believe in the whole whole thing or what have you I believed that if you were sleeping with one man you need to sleep with that one man and that one man only and I only did that under the guise of a relationship it was still promiscuity when you look at it 
But I'm saying I wasn't going from one bed to the next. Like I wouldn't get out of one guy's bed or what have you. Every time I did something, it was under the guise of a relationship, except this particular time. But I remember what Jacob did was Jacob said, hey, sit down. Let me talk to you. And I'm sitting there looking like because I'm expecting him to get turned on because I had this one thing my friends laughed at about. They Oh, they loved that. I had this one thing where I used to call it. I'm trying to see what the nickname was it. I think it was cold one or something like that i used to love to turn men on and then leave them turned on and then my friends would like be over to the house sometimes and they'd be in the back room crying laughing because i would just go up in there and mess with a man's head and then i just go what i walk away this time i don't think my friends were there i think my little sister was there but i did that to him and then i was like and he was like hey sit down uh, you know turn it off i just want to get to know you i want to get to know you so he he opened up to me he starts telling me about his past, you know, uh, and a, a past of drug addiction and how he had overcome it and what have you. And mind you, I'm not I'm not understanding why he's talking to me. But what it did was it got it caused me to lower my guard and I started opening up to him. And that led to us ending up having a sexual relationship that ended up. And again, it wasn't intent, intended on my part. It was intended on the devil's part. But I remember thinking at that stage that that's all it was going to be. That's all I wanted it to be because I didn't trust a man that was willing to cheat on his girlfriend. One, I didn't want to take him from her. Um, so I thought that that was going to be a one-time occurrence. It ended up happening multiple times. The way I, the reason I ended up breaking off it off with Jacob or ending things, so we didn't have an official relationship was because he started getting too serious. Again, I was a broken woman. That's how broken women think, or some of them. He started getting too serious about me. He started wanting, um, wanting to have a relationship. And I remember we had this time where the condom broke or quote unquote broke. I don't think it broke. I think he just, yeah. But I came to the realization that he was trying to get me pregnant. And that infuriated me. That infuriated me. That was the reason I ended things with him was because I had a pregnancy scare. And when I told him about it, I was crying. I was scared. Um, and he sat me down and was smiling. And he was excited about me potentially being the mother of his child. And that upset me because, again, I didn't want to have a relationship with him. I didn't want to have anything long term with him. I just thought it was for fun. I thought, you know, we just did some stuff we weren't supposed to do. He got a girlfriend. He got a a child with his girlfriend, all that stuff. And I felt like that, honestly, I genuinely, I felt like that was his soulmate. I felt like that was because he had told me the story of them, how they had been with other people. Both of them had been in relationships uh, for so many years, had never had kids. They got together, immediately had, had a child. I thought that that was what he was supposed to be. So I ended things with Jacob. It didn't end well because Jacob didn't want things to end. Jacob showed up on my job. I ended up cursed. I mean, I had a violent episode. I didn't remember that until years later. He brought that to my attention. Um, I, he said I tried to attack him with an umbrella on my job. And I got a faint memory of that. But I think I probably blacked out. I was full of demons. But I was upset, you know, because for me, it was just it was never supposed to be anything serious. OK, fast forward it. You know, my friends, I was hanging out with a bunch of a, a bunch of adulteresses. And I was against the whole thing of adultery. But I felt like their business was their business. For me, I needed to have a guy that was available. And that was that. Um, nevertheless, I did fall back into the trap of it again. It was me hanging out with a dude, somebody I was supposed to be cool with. And 
something happened wasn't supposed to happen again it, it it was one of those situations i ended it because he got too serious you know it was that was that again i was a broken woman eventually i gave my my life to the lord the enemy had already uh selected me as an adulteress he knew that i didn't I, for me i would never take a, a married man serious um matter of fact i avoided those type of relationships right if I, I fall falling into the trap, but I avoided those type of relationships. And so because of that, the enemy decided he had to trick me into that type of relationship. And what he did was I gave my life over to the Lord. I started going to church or what have you. And this is after me and a friend girl had a, a drunken episode coming from a club, almost had an accident. We decided we got to stop acting out and go to church. So we went to church on uh, that Sunday and that started my journey of giving my life to the Lord. So at the, in the beginning, I was between the world and the club and the church or what have you. And my pastor said something one day while preaching that convicted me. And I uh, called, you know, I left the club. I left the club scene from that point on. So I was on this journey uh, of becoming who I am and who I'm designed or called or chosen to be. I ended up meeting my ex-husband. This is the trick of the enemy. I ended up meeting my ex-husband on January 1st, 2000. And I was 22 years old, going on 23 at the time, 22 years old, going on 23. I meet him at a gas station. I'm hanging out with my best friend at the time and my male cousin. The male cousin used to date my best friend, but at this time they had been broken up. He had a girlfriend, but him and my friend, they still flirted with each other. Me and my male cousin were like best friends. Me and my female friend were like best friends. So obviously they used me to get to one another. And so me and her, we would hang out on the weekends because I had stopped going to the club. Um, she was always like, we got to go somewhere. We got to go somewhere. And her, her number one pick was always to want to go to my cousin's house because on the weekend, my cousin, would ha he had his house and he would always have a bunch of dudes up in there and they'd be playing cards and uh, play they'd be playing spade or they'd be playing dominoes and they'd be drinking and what have you. She wanted to go over there I rarely wanted to go over there because there was nothing over there for me. Uh, for one, it was a house full of dudes. Two, those dudes couldn't come for me. And I was I was actually happy about that. They couldn't come for me because my cousin was almost the alpha male in that group. And he didn't play because, like I said, he was like my best friend. And so the dudes knew that was, you know. And so when she came over there, she was going over there for him, even though she was a virgin herself. So it, nothing was going to go down. I'm putting that out there. Nothing going to go down at that house. It wasn't a, a case of two females going and being ran through. That didn't happen. What happened was we go over there and they just flirt with each other like crazy. Um, and I just would play dominoes with the guys or what have you. There was this one guy that was over there. He had a major crush on me. He was a boxer. And I remember um, he had been hitting the head too many times. And I'm not saying that to be funny. And boxing hit because, you know, he had slurred his speech a little bit or what have you. But he was he was fast on his feet. And he, they knew he could beat the brakes out of, off of any of them. And I remember uh, sometimes the guys would be in there smoking. Not marijuana, but I, I don't remember marijuana being smoked. I, be, I remember cigarettes because if they had smoked marijuana, I wouldn't went there. Because I never liked the smell of that stuff. But I remember um, having a coughing episode on a couple of occasions and he went through there. And I tell you, those guys were afraid of him. This particular guy, he would snatch the cigarettes out of there. I thought you hear that girl up in there coughing. Y'all ain't got no respect or what have you. And he was like, when I went to get gas, he's like, hey, I'm coming with you. I got to make sure don't nobody mess with you. So honestly, I felt like a kingpin. I, I felt like, you know, one of those women in 
in those little protected environments or what have you with a bunch of dudes. Can't nobody come at me the wrong way. This guy, I knew he had a crush on me, but even then he, he came at me respectfully or what have you. So we went over there to my cousin's house on January 1st to hang out. We end up going to, uh, while we were at, at my cousin's house, he runs out of beer, you know, and he got a bunch of dudes up in there. They up in there playing and me and my friend girl. Now, mind you, I had just started going to church, just started giving my life to the Lord. Um, I wasn't going to the club anymore. So me and my friend girl, uh, my friend girl decides, hey, I want to have something to drink and what have you. So because the guys are drinking or what have you. So she's like, I want to have something to drink. So we decide to go to the gas station to get something to drink. My cousin decides to tag along, leave the other dudes in the house. So mind you, I'm driving. I had a white little Ford Escort. She's in the passenger seat. My cousin is in the back seat. We go to this gas station. Um, we go in. <laughs> it's relatively cold. I have on a <coughs> on a black on black leather pants, a midriff shirt, which is crazy in the middle of winter, and I had a black shirt or a black jacket on over it. But I had it open because my stomach was my prized possession at that time. <laughs> and I walk up in there. Me and my friend, she's dressed seductively as well. We up in the stilettos and stuff. We walk through there. And the dudes are looking, they, hey, 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 you know, but we ignore them. We go up there, we get some wine coolers. I had an episode, episode with one of the, a former, with one of the church members who saw me there. And that's that. So we go, somebody opens the door for us. I don't pay attention to the dude because I'm, you know, I'm in that mode. Dudes are looking, so I'm ignoring everybody. Um, We go out to the car. And as soon as I sit in the car, I happen to look because it was a, you call that gas station? Well, it has the churches in it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, it had, you know, the, the front of the gas station, just windows. I happened to get in the car and I could see through the window. I saw this guy, this bald head dude with the deepest dimples and the tightest eyes. I mean, he just looked, he looked beautiful to me. And I thought to myself, that's the most beautiful man I've ever seen in my life. I, and I said, dang, he looked good. And my cousin was in the back seat. And he said, who? I said, that dude, and I'll make up a name for him. I'll say, Roger. I said, that dude right there, he said, oh, yo, that's Roger. Because that's the town my, my cousin lived in. It was a small city. And he was like, yo, that's Roger. He said, let your seat up. Let me out right quick. I don't remember if he asked me to let my seat up or if he had a back door himself. I just remember he got out and he started saying, hey, yo, Roger. Hey, yo, Roger. And I'm sitting there like, are, are you serious? Are you serious? And so I see Roger come out the gas station. I'm shamed. I've never been taught to, to try to holler at a guy before. I've always been taught for the guy to pursue me. So I'm still sitting in the driver's seat and I don't know if my door was open. I think my door was open and he, he Roger comes over and my cousin gets back in the, in the car and he said, Hey, yo, Roger, my cousin want to holler at you. And I looked and I, and he, he stood there. Roger stands there next to my door with this smirk. And I'm talking about, like I said, deepest dimples uh, I've ever seen and uh, what have you. It was a beautiful specimen of a man. And I looked and I just said, I just said you were handsome. I just said you look. And he said, I think you're beautiful too. And then he stood there and I'm thinking, okay, so what happens next? <laughs> you know, and I was like, um, okay, I guess write your number down on this paper. And he said, sure. So I gave him a piece of paper. I looked around my car, found a piece of paper and a pen. He was writing his number down. My cousin said, hey, we going back to my house. You know, we about to, you know, play some 
dominoes and stuff like that. Do you want to come hang? He was like, yeah, sure. So he gets in his car and he follows us to my cousin's house. We sit up in there. We play dominoes and he watched me beat some of the guys at dominoes because I was pretty good at the game. Probably watched me get beat as well. And then, you know, he walks me. I walk him out to the car when it's time for him to leave. And I just remember him saying, dang, you got a sexy walk. I remember that, those words. But from that day forward, me and him were almost inseparable. Now, let me tell you this. The man was married. I didn't know it. He told me that night or the next day that he was going through a divorce. This is a trick of the enemy. Now, I know that this has been a long time of me telling stories, but part two, you're going to get the gist of it. OK, I do apologize, but I wanted to make sure you understand um, the entirety of this story. But he tells me he's going through a divorce. He has two children. First child he had with his high school sweetheart. Second child he had at this particular time was just a few months old and it was with the, the wife that he had. But him and his wife, they were going through a divorce. They'd already signed the papers. They were just waiting on everything to be cleared up, you know, to, to get to get the papers, um, you know, for the divorce. OK, um, I tell myself going to church, I knew that that was wrong. You know, I, I was raised in a Christian household. I knew that was wrong. But I tell myself, it's not like you're stealing him from his wife. It's not like he's even with her. They are living in two separate places. He's living back in the house with his mom and she's living with her auntie and they're going through a divorce. He's fair game. This is what I tell myself. I was 1000 shades of wrong. I was 1000 shades of wrong. So I continue on having a relationship with him and not only a relationship an ungodly one at that, because yes, we were having sex. We started having sex. Um, and then I pretty much moved into his parents' house while he was still married uh, to his wife going through his divorce. He even had an episode um, at one particular time, which shocked the crap out of me, where he started, he got confused as to what he wanted to do because he got into the midst of the divorce and he started realizing things were for real, that he was about to be a divorced man. And um, he asked me if I would go back to my mother's house for a while because he needed time to think. And I was young that scared the crap out of me and I didn't know what to do anything like with anything like that. So I was like, no, because if I go back it's over, you can't do this and what have you. And so I convinced him and he was like, you're right. You know, um, you're right. Uh, I can't I can't be confused about this anymore. I, I know I want to be with you or what have you. So that that's that I stayed with him and his parents and um, they finalized the divorce. Me and him continued to live together. And then, um, after we had been together for two years, we decided to get married. That was adultery on my part. That needs to be understood. That was a married man, even though he was going through a divorce, even though him and his wife had been separated, even though his wife had been painted as the villain, even though um, they had signed the papers, it did not matter. Even though he had been in other relationships before me, it didn't matter. None of that married. In the eyes of heaven, he was still a married man. So I'm going to end this at part one. And then I'm going to move on to part two. Let me see. No. Okay. I'll, I'll say this. I'll go ahead and move on to this to the end part so I can give the lesson in part two. I ended up being married to this man. Obviously, he didn't know how to be faithful. Cheated on me like crazy. Cheated. Every time I looked up, there was a different woman. He was always lying about it, gaslighting. It was a hot mess, you know, 
And this was somebody that, you know, he was really charming. You know, he knew how to come home and make me feel like a lady. And he knew, he knew how to tear me down at the same time. Turned out he became abusive over the course of time because he realized that I wasn't going to stick around to be cheated on because that was something that was generational in his family. You know, the woman was going to hold on to the man, no matter what the man did. And it would be in his old age that when he became impotent and he couldn't cheat no more, but he realized I wasn't that type of female. He realized that, Hey, I'm going to lose this woman at some point. Um, so he became, um, really, he became physically abusive or what have you. Eventually I ended up having a dream about him. Um, him having sex with a girl and in the dream I looked up at my uncle and said she's pregnant there's no way she's not pregnant it was a prophetic dream I wake up he comes home after you know he had been gone all night I tell I confront him I let him know he falls to the floor uh that's that he falls to the floor confesses everything because in that moment the prophetic word hit him and even though I was a babe in Christ my gift was being activated all the more in that in that hour like I said he hits the floor um, and he is shocked and he's like, oh my gosh, you know, he starts confessing and he confesses to having messed with a girl and the girl is now, he, he thought the girl was pregnant. He calls her up on the phone. I had just had a miscarriage and, uh, she, uh, she confesses to being pregnant. She confesses to being pregnant and that was that. So that started the decline of our relationship. I got upset. He begged me to stay with him. Um, I was really hurt because it had been years of affairs, years of him gaslighting and lying and making me feel like I was the wrong person. Five years of me being faithful to him, five years of me doing the right thing. And what was in my mother came out of me. What was in my grandmother came out of me. Uh, one day I come home, find out he's still talking to this girl. So I went and had an affair. I went, um, I had run into an ex and I've shared this story before that was, we were trying to buy a house and ended up going to this ex of mine that he didn't know was an ex of mine. And, um, I wanted to tell him, but this was after I found out he had a girl pregnant and I had a, I had a voice, which was the voice of Satan to tell me, will you tell him everything? And so this ex is this millionaire, uh, multimillionaire. And it seemed like the perfect opportunity. Um, the enemy set me up. So I end up having an affair with this guy because it was a revenge tactic of my own. After I found out, not only did this man have a baby on the way, but he had went back and started had started talking to the girl again. So I decided, okay, let me show you how it feels to let somebody else experience what you believe belong believe. And that was five years into the relationship. So that thing that was in my mother was activated in me. Long story short, because I was a Christian, I felt convicted. Uh, that didn't go on for very long. I ended that relationship um, after about a month, and then um, I continued on fighting for my marriage, ended up, I got tired of it. He kept cheating. I finally, and he was abusive at that. I ended the relationship, got my divorce. And then while going through a divorce about a year later, I meet somebody else. Mar divorce is still not final yet. This is de the demon now. Uh, the divorce is not final yet. I meet somebody else. We start talking and I start rushing the divorce because my ex didn't want to get the divorce, even though he was living with his mistress. Um, I rushed the divorce because I was entangled with somebody else. And um, after a while, after me and him dated for about a year, we started having sex. Do you see this mess? This is a hot mess. Um, and what have you. And so now I was so tired to him and I wanted to be with him. And I was mad at the first dude because he wouldn't sign the papers or what have you. So I pushed and prodded until he finally signed those papers. And a month later, I married what I thought was going to be the right guy. You know, I married him. 
So I got with him in an adulterous way because when I met him, I was going through a divorce. I justified it because I said, listen, it's not like um, I'm doing something wrong. The man I'm married to, you know, the man I was married to was out with somebody else, you know, had a child with this girl. So what, what's wrong with me doing that? You know, that that was the way that I justify it. Okay. That's the entirety of that story. The, move on to part two. I'm going to teach you the lesson. I'm going to show you the demons that showed up in this. All right. Be right back.